Hello, a little word of warning that this podcast contains swears and use of explicit sexual language. Therefore, it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18 or anyone who thinks a flu jab will save you from cuffing season. Hello all, welcome back to the Smut Drop. This is, of course, your weekly roundup to the more eccentric side of sex and relationships from metro.co.uk. I'm Miranda Kane and on this week's show I'll be looking at projection ships and how to avoid them and chatting about being an entrepreneur in the world of pleasure with Farah Kabir. If you like what you hear then please rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your finest of podcasts and I hope you're ready because I'm about to blow this pop stand complete with all the pops on it. It's a dad joke. Hello listeners. So this week I have been having a fascinating read over at metro.co.uk and learning all about projection ships. Oh yes, we love a new portmanteau over at the Metro. A portmanteau? Okay, anyway, anyway. So a projection ship is where you project all the qualities you're looking for onto the person you're dating. However, they might not have the evidence that those qualities actually exist in the first place. Look, this reminds me of when one of my mates kept saying that a guy she met on Tinder was everything she was looking for. He was handsome, which, okay, he he was in a conventional way. Uh, But also what she was looking for was someone who was ready to settle down, who was kind, who was loyal. And then when we actually got to meet him, he was literally chasing the waitresses into the loos at Nando's. So that's how ready he was to settle down. And what can happen with projection ships is that because you think this person has all the qualities you're looking for, when they suddenly leave, which they inevitably will, it can hurt you so much more because we've basically been fooling ourselves into thinking they're the one. Dana McAlpine from metro.co.uk chatted to Jessica Alderson and Jessica is the co-founder and relationship expert at So Synced and she says that the danger with projection ships is they create a barrier to building a deep authentic connection because in order to do this you need to see each other and then accept each other for who you really are rather than an idealised version. Oh, it makes so much sense when you say it out loud. (laughs) And I get it. Like, we see someone, they like us, we like them, and the rose-tinted glasses are firmly on. But in reality, it's actually highly unlikely that this person will have met every single one of our expectations. And we're not just talking about honeymoon stages. No, no, no. This is where you have completely missed who that person is. So how do we make sure we don't fall into a projection ship? Well, it's all about the red flags, babes. Have you been ignoring them? Have you stuffed your red flags into the projection ship bin? It's time to take them out. And also, Jessica says that a good litmus test is to think how you would feel if a friend treated you that way. So Dana, quite rightly, says that instead of projecting onto the person you're with, maybe it's better to be healthily hopeful that the next person you date might be better suited to you. 
Ah, oh, wise words. What about you, listeners? Are you in a projection ship? Maybe you've had a projection ship thrust upon you. Are you desperately trying to help your friends see the red flags that they're ignoring? Send them over to metro.co.uk and maybe give them a subtle hint by sending over the article. But do you know who I would always ignore my red flags for? It's this week's guest. Ladies and gentlemen, gays and nays, any woman out there will tell you what a nightmare censorship can be on social media. We have classical art being taken down and accounts being banned for stray female nipples. Whilst phallic representation seem to be everywhere, there is no doubt the world has a problem with vaginas. Well, to help destigmatize and inspire you to love yours more, this week's guest created Hanks, a sexual wellness brand filled with gynecologically approved intimate products that are kinder to you and the environment. With her childhood best friend, she quit her job in finance, raised a casual million quid and is here to chat to me about overcoming vagina stigma in both business and pleasure. It's Farah Kabir. Hello, Farah. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I am delighted. Set the scene. Whereabouts are you? What are you up to? So I am in the sunny highs of York right now in my family home, which is a great place to be talking about taboo topics like this with uh, my my mum and my brother downstairs. (laughs) 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 But we're we're usually based in London, but yeah, I decidedly plotted myself and the family home for this conversation, so apologies. (laughs) No problem. What do your family think about you and creating Hanks? Yeah, I mean, initially there there was shock. Uh, and there was concern that the London waters had done something to me and I needed to get back home and <laughs> and, and that what the hell was I thinking quitting my day job uh, but actually my family is super supportive now they they totally understand what we're trying to do with smashing taboos and better supporting women's health um, so I think uh, talking about condoms has become a a, a bit more accepted uh, in the family home these days because condoms is your your hero product, isn't it? It's one of the yeah. first things that Hanks came up with. How did that come about? What 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 made you go to condoms? Yeah, so um, it's worth giving you some context. So, so Sarah, my mm. co-founder, you know, her and I are childhood friends, and we grew up together. Couldn't keep away from each other. We ended up going to university together. Well, I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. So, fell into finance. Sarah went on to to study medicine and became a gynecology doctor. So this is very much her field around intimate wellness. Um, And it was sort of um, at the time when we both had our own careers. So I was working in investment banking. um, And at the time, I couldn't use hormonal contraceptives. They just weren't suiting me at the time, you know, weight gain, mood swings. So the only option were condoms. Um, On my busy lunch break, popped out to the boots a couple of doors down from the office uh, picked up a pack of condoms alongside a Boots meal deal and anything else I could find that would cover this bright red pack. And lo and behold, my boss was behind me in the queue. And I was absolutely mortified. I don't often go red, but I definitely felt a heat on my cheeks. Um, mm. And I think the embarrassment was because I thought, does he think I'm promiscuous? Who does he think I'm going up to hanky-panky with? And is this going to affect my career that he's seen me... Uh purchase in such a product and and that was where the idea was born we essentially wanted to build products that weren't garishly packaged or promoting a man's conquest we wanted products that were kinder to the body and kinder to the planet and that's why sarah and myself quit our day jobs and spent our life savings on johnny's 
a man's cum quest. What? Can I just, can we just rewind? Because <laughs> I think that's the best phrase I've ever heard in my life. A man's cum quest. Please explain for our shy and retired listeners. Well, I mean, if, if you look at the packaging that is on the market still, it is garishly packaged. There are names like Johnny Big Boy or Trojan. Horsecock. Yeah, exactly. When it's just not a good look. And, and I think even men don't want to be buying products like that anymore. Um, and what we try and do, not only with our products, but our branding is be real and relatable. We don't want to gloss over the realities of being a woman in the modern day. Um, and in doing that and creating a brand that is real and relatable, we're actually attracting men who are purchasing our products too, mm. even though we're addressing an underrepresented balance of uh, women. Uh, men are still purchasing from us. Did you find any, at the moment we have this problem with things like Instagram uh, and it, it does censor women's bodies and, you know, it, it's, it can be very difficult to try and talk about sex on social media mm. because you can just get an instant ban. Did you find any like stigmatisation was happening there when you were trying to market it? Oh, absolutely. Like we, I think Sarah and I built this business and walked in probably quite naive and thinking everything would go smooth sailing. The reality is when we launched online, uh, a key global payment provider cut us off within the first 24 hours because we were classed as adult health. Um, a big proportion of our adverts on Facebook or Meta, even now, four or five years on, still get banned because we're classed as an adult health company. Um, but you managed to see uh, adverts about Viagra uh, and, and men's, uh, men's products or from brands that are huge or part of conglomerates who who pay millions in advertising that are able to get away with these these adverts. But for us, you know, when you look at our branding, it's not crass, it's not in your face. Often there isn't any sort of skin or, or nakedness or any of the themes that would mean the Facebook bot would ban us. But we still have a lot of our adverts banned. Uh, mm. And it's, it's such a shame and we're not the only ones. There are actually quite a lot of sexual wellness brands, intimate health, femme care, period care brands that also have their adverts banned by these huge companies like Meta, Instagram. Um, TikTok's a bit better though, I must say. If, what are the ways that you circumvent that? Um, so as a really small team, it is challenging, but we constantly pivot, amend creative, tweak things, whether it's the copy or the ad and just constantly appeal. And that's mm. the only way you're going to get through as 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 challenging and boring as it is, you know, mm. Meta have obviously seen that maybe over a thousand of our ads since we've been alive as a business have been banned. And we hope one day that the gods above at Meta will will take that seriously um, when they see that. But in the absence of being able to advertise quite quickly and easily, we've got a huge community. So we've got a chat room uh, called Hank's Life. It's a bit like Mum's Net, but without your mum. Oh, maybe your mum is on there. We don't know. Um, but it's where people, our community, come together and they ask for advice, recommendations, um, talk about topics such as why my partner won't go dying on me to what products would you recommend for X. Um, and that's where we're seeing a lot of growth um, and support. You know, people are telling their friends, well, actually, if you think about this, just post it on Hank's Life because it's often the community that come back and advocate and, and provide those um, 
nuggets that people want to see. So, so that's definitely one way of circumventing. I think the other thing is word of mouth, speaking to as many people that will listen to us, even if they're not consumers. Being in retail stores definitely helps. So we're, we're the only challenger brand that sits next to the big dogs here in the UK. And we're super proud of that. By being on shelf, you know, that gives a level of brand awareness that doesn't rely just on Facebook adverts. Do you think that if you were targeting more towards men, it would be a bit easier? Like, it it feels like condoms are something, and I know this may sound like I'm being redacted, but it sounds a bit more like condoms. It's the women that always get slut-shamed for carrying a condom, where I think it should be the men who should be slut-shamed for not carrying a condom. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like if you were, you know, putting a condom on a banana, then Meta might be... Like it feels sometimes that they'd be like, oh yeah, no, that's fine, no worries. But <laughs> mixing it with a vagina, yeah. But <laughs> either way, it just sounds like we see that a lot. And I actually wonder, like, in a wider business sense, if my name was actually a man's name when I was, you know, raising investment, or if our ads were targeted to men, whether it would be a different story altogether. Yeah. Now tell me about what it was like raising investment for a female products. Yeah, it's, it's been incredibly challenging. Like, I won't lie, you know, it's, it's been really tough behind the scenes. You know, when Sarah and I thought of the idea to serve women's health better, there weren't any brands that were doing this in Europe. There were a few in the US that were ahead of the curve, but in UK in particular, no one was doing it. So when we approached VCs with this idea, they didn't really believe in it. They were like, oh, well, it's a man's job or, you know, we don't see a multi-million dollar exit potential or come back to us when you've got the product. You know, we want to see more proof uh, that there's an idea there. And actually then around sort of 2018, 19, once we'd already launched, then there was a bit more interest and pickup. But the reality is a lot of these VC funds, particularly in the UK, are often backed by LPs that are traditional or heritage money where they will not back brands that are in adult health or tobacco or things like that. And that's what makes it incredibly challenging. And I think the second thing is a lot of these uh, funds and even investors are men. And sadly, Mm. not as many women are in decision-making roles to invest. And that is why less than 2% of VC funding actually goes to women, less than two penny for every pound. Um, We need more men to be allies to understand that actually this is a woman's health need, and they should be supported. Um, And we need more women in those roles as well. Would you expand into other parts? Like, are you looking at doing sex toys? Because you do, what I think is amazing, you do things like contraceptive pills and the morning after pills. It's not just condoms and the lubricant. It's all these other things that are around female health and contraception. Yeah, so we spotted quite early on after that awkward bump in that actually, this isn't just about condoms. There is no one brand that's truly serving women at different stages of of their life. And equally... Mm. The same woman isn't going to use a condom constantly for the rest of their life. It's like, you know, when you go, you know, when you start dating, you use condoms. And then when you move on to a, the long term, you know, stage of your relationship, you might move on to hormonal contraceptive. And also no contraceptive is the same for everyone. You know, Sarah and I were on the same mm. contraceptive, very different side of, you know, Sarah absolutely loved it. I hated the same one. So we want to offer mm. that choice. And we don't think anyone's doing that. So you know, the condoms and the lubricants sit in retail and online and they're great for brand awareness and actually 
serving women better and men. But mm. we offered the pharmacy uh, offering, which is prescription and over-the-counter birth control. We dispatch it same day and it's delivered to your door. A, for convenience, B, so that you don't have to queue up for a GP appointment. But actually what we want to do and what our vision is, is to serve women better all the way from their first time having sex to their first child, menopause and beyond. And we've got some great Mm. products in the pipeline um, over the next six months, which you're definitely going to be the first to receive some of our, our new products coming out. Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, love that. Anything, throw it at me. (laughs) When you were doing all your market research back in the beginning, what were the kind of things that women were asking for? Yeah, so, you know, in order to leave our full-time jobs, which seemed crazy, we needed to know that there actually was a market people wanted these products. So we surveyed 2,000 women, anyone that would listen to us and take this survey, and Sarah had her NHS network as well, and asked them what they wanted, like, what's stopping you from buying condoms? If you were to buy condoms, what would they be like? What would they look like? What would the packaging be like? So we really went in... And essentially the output was hanging. So women care about what they put in and on their bodies. They want to use products that have transparency, a bit like the products that you would put on your, like your skincare regime. You want to know what product, you know, what ingredients are going in there. Um, they care about the planet. This is the output of the survey. And so, you know, vegan was actually a byproduct because we removed a lot of the nasty chemicals that are often found. So you can find things like anesthetics in condoms that actually make a man last longer because it gives you a numbing effect. Super irritating for women and their delicate pH power. So, you know, we've removed um, certain chemical nasty ingredients that allows us to also be vegan. So it's great. Not only are we kinder to the planet, but we're kinder to the body as well. Um, And in doing so, are biodegradable. Um, And I think the other point that came up was branding. They don't want to carry something garish and red and yellow and you know gold they, they want something that is not necessarily discreet but something that's neutral that that fits quite mm. easily you know if if our products fell out of your bathroom cupboard you know someone wouldn't bat, bat an eyelid um you know initially the the intent was that we'd make it discreet but actually it all it all comes back to shame like we should not feel ashamed to be carrying and looking after our sexual health and carrying products like this so it's less about the discreetness and more about real and relatable brand aesthetic that people are proud to carry yeah it looks more like you're carrying like a little um like tissue or something yeah. it looks more like a little tissue pack or like you know and and you're entirely like I always worry if you know someone opens my drawer and I I host a fucking sex <laughs> podcast and I'm still like oh someone opens my drawer I know. well <laughs> it's so it's so universal it's it's still there and it doesn't matter which culture religion you follow like there are different levels of shame and taboo that exist and inherent and things that we picked up along the way I mean I there are times where you know like I just said that I was in my family home and even I am you know feeling ever so slightly uncomfortable even though they've known that I run a company that sells condoms and lubricants there's still that inherent feeling that we need to hopefully break down and get over yeah definitely if you could go back to 2017 Farah and Sarah (laughs) <laughs> would you still go on this path would you be like yeah bang it all in or would you like maybe sort of say I just put a little bit in an icer first lads come on <laughs> I think we were bloody crazy and naive I actually did <laughs> like let's be real here like let's not gloss over this like 
I do think there was a bit of naivety, but I think that's what also made us so brave because yeah. we were like, look, you know, we don't have any dependence right now. Like, what's the worst that could happen? If this company fails, we've learned so much. And, you know, I've got my accounting qualification. Sarah's got her, her medicine license. You know, what's the worst that happens? We learn a load. We have some fun. Then we go back to our day jobs. Thankfully, we've not failed. And actually, <laughs> it's gone from strength to, to, to strength. But, um, yeah, maybe having that naivety was good for us at the time. Yeah, definitely. It helps. Like, when you put under pressure, if you just think, this is the trajectory, let's just do this. But when you're put under pressure, then that's when you're, like you said, you're forced to pivot. And you that's when you become a bit yeah. more creative. And, God, yeah. it sounds like you've made so many, like, um, accidental byproducts like you've got a community of people because you can't advertise on Facebook and you know what I mean it just sounds like you've managed you've managed it all really well I mean I'm saying yeah. you've managed it because I've been chatting to you for a mere 20 minutes I mean you might be like ringing a stress ball underneath the desk <laughs> yeah I'm I'm like a swan but I'm like drowning underneath no, I mean look running running this running a company is hard running a, running a company with challenges like we mentioned is even harder but I and the team are incredibly lucky because we have a solid team um, and we have amazing supporters our customers is what has kept us going those little messages we get saying thank thank you so much for your product or you know my partner's getting brownie points for, for using Hanks and something that doesn't irritate me and I'm not having recurrent thrush like those are the things that I genuinely love reading and that keeps us going. We're actually serving customers that have wanted these products. So um, we're very lucky to have oh, that support. Brilliant. I'm so happy for you. If you had any three pieces of advice for any female entrepreneurs that want to go into um, the female pleasure industry, what would be your top pieces of advice? There are, there's one that my mum taught me early on, and that's regardless of what product you're creating or service, you know, Go with your gut. It's got your best interests at heart. And the older I get, the more accurate that has become. And, uh, and I genuinely think, you know, if, if you have a gut feeling, go with it. Um, take a calculated risk. So really understand the market. Like, you know, in our space, there's room for other startups to be here. We can all get along and serve well because, you know, it's just been one major player up until now. But really understand what your USP is and why customers would come to you and understand that market and, and take that calculated risk. Be real with yourself. You know, if there's about 50 other people doing what you do, um, then pivot. Don't just don't just be like, I'm not doing it. Pivot. Offer something else. Offer another USP. So really understand that. And I think the third thing is honestly speak to as many people as you can that's that's one of the things that we probably didn't do early on we kept it a bit of a secret because we weren't sure and maybe that's a bit of is it going to work is it not or what are people going to think if it's not the perfect product that's ready and actually I I wish I'd spoken to more people early on because that's free advice so yeah hopefully those are th three tips that people can can take away and act on I think those are brilliant tips and really, really good advice. And that, I love it when you get practical, solid advice. It's like, yes, I can follow that. Nice. Good. I can write that on a board, put it up on my wall, <laughs> along with everything yeah. else. <laughs> if people want to find you and find more about Hanks, where can they find you? Yes. So you can head to hanksofficial.com. So that's H-A-N-X. Uh, we're also on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, we have some funky stuff on TikTok to check us out, all under Hank's official. 
Um, and yeah, drop us, get into our DMs. We love hearing from our customers. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me on the Smart Drop. Thank you so much, Farah Kabir. Yay! Thank you. My thanks to Farah there from Hanks. Oh, she was fantastic. What a badass business bitch. So I loved her advice about starting a business and how you can get finance for it, but also just about talking to people. And you can talk to anyone, talk to your friends, talk to your family, talk to people on the street, get a monkey survey going out. It's so easy to get people's opinions and then just listen to them and find out what people really want. What I also really loved are discovering the ways that she pivoted. And I know you're probably really bored of the word pivot now, but it's so important to do when you're faced with challenges within a business uh, and things like, you know, like social media and being online and your website can be taken down or your Instagram account can be stopped. It's so important to not panic and instead be able to use that. And the way that they've used that for their benefit, I think, is it's so remarkable and so inspirational and I I really hope they go from strength to strength. Thank you once again for listening to this week's Smut Drop. If you have any sexy tales and saucy stories, please make sure you send them over to me. I'm also looking for questions and suggestions. Have you got a kink you command? Can you teach us a thing or two about your favourite fetishes? I want to hear from you. We're always really interested to hear from guests, no matter their background, if they've got something to do with sex and relationships. Get your emails into us. You can send them to smutdrop at metro.co.uk or slip into my DMs. Just look out for Miranda Kane on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And if you want to hear all the sexy stories that we love, remember to subscribe right now. I've been Miranda Kane. Smutdrop was produced by Pineapple Audio Production for metro.co.uk. If you're enjoying this mini bottle of warm champagne, please please make sure to leave me a nice review. And in the meantime, I'm going to be back to prick up your ears next week.